0: Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on seven and a half acres out in the country. And I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana, where I have a
1: suburban garden. It's measured in square feet and is less than a third of an acre.
0: We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want you to love it too. Yes, we do. And we aren't afraid to spill the
1: beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Hello, Dee.
0: Hello, Carol. How- <laughs> I can't say, how does your garden grow? I just can't. <laughs> I guess, how, does your,
1: how do your microgreens grow? The microgreens, so I exhausted my supply, and I kind of skipped a week or two of re some. So, on Sunday, I sewed all six little cells with six different varieties of microgreens. So, I'll have a okay. bunch here in two weeks.
0: Well, good for you, because you, at least you're eating microgreens. I've been eating mostly soups. <laughs>
1: And I finished, remember my seed catalog puzzles? I do. I finished all four of them. Uh And I glued them together. And I bought four frames from a place called Frame It Easy. I ordered these on Wednesday. They came on Saturday, which I thought was incredibly fast for custom frames.
0: And then you just put the puzzles inside them yourself, right? Yes. I put the puzzles inside myself and
1: I hung them up in my den. I sent you pictures. And so we'll post those on our Instagram so people can see the puzzle pictures are in the den, hanging on the wall.
0: And coincidentally, I also um, framed some stuff. I got it in my French box subscription. Um, they have an artist in residence every year. And so last year, was all about flowers, and it's on this French antique book. So I framed all of those locally, and I went and picked them up last week. And, oh, my gosh, they're so pretty. So we're going to actually post both of those pictures on Wednesday when this publishes and so on and so forth. But as for gardening, um, it snowed 10 inches here, and it's negative 5 on Monday. Tomorrow, guess what's going to happen again? Um. It'll be 60? I don't know. What's going to happen? No, it's going to snow again. But next week, there are 50s in the forecast. So I should be able to garden coach again, and it should be normal because our normal high for February is 55 degrees.
1: I heard that on the news. Negative 5 is a long way from 55. I also heard on the news, it's 14 here, and we had snow, but it's February, and it's not really that out of the ordinary. But I read that here on Monday when we're recording this. It's 8 degrees in Dallas, Texas. So shout out to our Dallas, Texas listeners. That's very seriously
0: cold. If you're not used to it, it's really deadly cold. It is really cold, and people don't really bundle up there. Even here, we are used to more cold than they are because they're Zone 8 and Zone 9. So shout out to the people in Dallas and Fort Worth. They also had a terrible wreck the other day when they had ice and where there were a hundred and something cars in this wreck. So that was terrible. We had a wreck yesterday too, but luckily here, no one was killed in that wreck. There was so honest to goodness. This kind of weather is really scary and they've opened a bunch of shelters for the homeless. And they're trying to and all and also people who just don't have. You know, like there was an apartment where the pipes froze. So they had to find a shelter for all those people because their pipes busted everywhere.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is I don't think Dallas houses are really built for eight degrees for very
0: long. Not for very long. And we've actually had the longest stretch of single digit weather. So you know who I'm worried about, don't you? No, I don't. My, my honeybees. Oh, your honeybees. So next week I'm going to open the hives when it's in the 50s. And check on them and see if anybody's left. I may lose them all and then have to start over. But I don't want to talk about sad stuff. Let's go on to our quote. Okay, here's the quote. I wonder if the
1: snow loves the trees and fields, that it kisses them so gently. And then it covers them up snug, you know, with a white quilt. And perhaps it says, go to sleep, darlings, till the summer comes again. (laughs) That was Lewis Carroll and
0: Alice's Adventures in Wonderland through the looking glass. So I sent that quote to you, and you go, why? And I said, because we're going to talk about the snow, of course. And on top of that, the only thing I can think of is that Lewis Carroll, you know, was in the UK, and they don't tend to have snowstorms like we do in the continental United States. Yeah. So I, I don't think the snow was kissing them ever so gently. The snow is weighing down the trees and making them kind of sad, but that's okay. Well, here
1: are snow that we got. We got about an inch and a half. We'll get another five. It was light and fluffy, so I would say it kisses the trees gently right now. We'll see after the day is
0: over. Yeah, we'll see too. The sun is out at least partway, and our snow was also lightweight this time. Now that snow we had in December was super heavy, and it broke my southern magnolia all to pieces. Which reminds me, I wrote a real I wrote a post about how gardening will break your heart on my blog. So we need a link to it. Yes, um, But the, it teaches you resiliency. Is I mean, it's not an unhappy post. I was trying to make one of my gardening um, clients, gardening coaching clients happy because she was very sad one day. Well, we will link to that. What are we talking about today? We're talking about a summertime subject, which is
1: more annual flowering vines. And we talked about morning glories last week, which like, That's enough for a whole podcast. And then we started thinking about all these other annual vines. And you made a big list, Dee. And I will tell you of this big list, there are only two that I've grown. So I will tell you which two as we go through.
0: Okay, so this big list is not exhaustive. And I'm sure people will write me and say, but you forgot about. And I know I did. I I just picked some that I actually like. One of them I can't grow, but I still like it. All right, so the first one is Vigna Caracalla, and it's corkscrew vine. And I believe it was brought to the United States by Thomas Jefferson. It is the best smelling vine I have ever grown in my garden. But there's a catch. What's the catch, Dee? It takes forever to bloom. And you have to either buy it already started, which Bustani Plant Farm always has it, or you can start the seed yourself indoors, but you need to have something that you can train it like um, a bamboo stake. You can train it up the bamboo stake so that it can grow nice and strong. I have started it many times myself, and I've also bought it from Steve. His plants are usually further along than mine, but he has a much bigger greenhouse and much more controlled environment than I do. Um it doesn't, it doesn't ever bloom here until, in my garden until August or September. So it doesn't have long to bloom, but it's worth it.
1: Well, I I have never grown it, and I don't even recall seeing it for sale around here. So I suppose if I was going to give it a try, I would definitely have to start it inside and really nurture it along. But you skipped the first one on the list, which is one I grew, Dee. Okay, you say it. Well, I'm going to butcher this name. I'll go with Dolak. Dolichose Lab Lab, which is hyacinth bean. And this is Yeah, a, let's just call it hyacinth yeah, bean. <laughs> this is a really pretty plant. It has reddish leaves. And it is the flowers are a uh pinkish purplish white. I can't remember. They're pretty. They're they're purple. Purple. They're a pinkish purple. hmm And they might have some white on them too. I don't know. And they form a nice red bean pod, which
0: I don't eat those. I think they're edible, but don't quote me on that. Go look it up, people. Oh, I don't know if they're edible or not. Yeah, look it up, people. Don't eat them. Um, I have grown this one a lot, and I've grown it on my uh, mailbox out front. But it is a very aggressive grower, and so I have to trim away the front so that I can get my mail. And that year or two years that I did that, I gave my male person – mine is actually female – I gave my mail lady um, presents because she was so sweet and didn't complain that I had a giant vine on my mailbox.
1: Well, I've grown it, and here's the thing that I discovered, because I just bought a plant at the greenhouse, and then I discovered that it does self-sow a little bit in my garden. Now, I don't know if further north it would self-sow, but it did self-sow, and I had some seedlings come up, and then I just kind of transplanted them to where I wanted them and let them grow again.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you know what we call those plants in Oklahoma? Gifts. Yeah. If you want them, they're gifts. Most of the time, I mean, I've never had it um, be aggressive at all. Um, But yeah, I've had it self so And in Oklahoma, you don't have to start it inside. You just put the beans down wherever you want them and make sure it has something to climb on. Okay, you want to go to the next one? Kobe A.
1: Scandin's the cup and saucer vine. Again, I have not grown this one, Dee. I have heard of it, but I have not grown it and I've not really seen it.
0: Um, Again, you can grow it from seeds if you start them indoors or you can buy them. Um, I've seen it at Bustani. I don't think I've seen it anywhere else. It is a very pretty vine. And I want to say that cup and saucer vine is a, uh, I think it's a plant for butterfly larvae, but I might be wrong on that. So let's move on to the next one. It's also an Ipomia, Ipomia Lobata with, oh, FKA Mina Lobata. And it's Spanish flag. Spanish flag grows really well here and it's really pretty. And I have never even
1: heard of it, Dee. So I don't know if it doesn't grow here or I'm just living in a horticultural wasteland where we don't have fancy vines like that.
0: You know, maybe being south, we have a ton of them, but of course they, you know, they die off here at the end of the year, which is why we call them annual vines. But the truth is most of them are tropical. All right. The next one you can grow and I cannot. It's Thunbergia alata, the black-eyed
1: Susan vine. And I, you know, this is one that at the local greenhouse, she'll mix that in with a um, basket planting so that it can twine up the little hang basket hangers and stuff and that's oh, yeah. that's yeah, where I've got it. And my sister's always wanting this for her garden. But it's it's pretty. I don't know why you can't grow it. It's too hot here. Oh. Um I was gonna
0: tell people locally that you will see it here in mixed plantings, too. And sometimes people start it. And so somebody in Tulsa will probably write me and say, we can grow that. But in Tulsa, you live in rarefied air. And you guys can grow a lot of things that people in central Oklahoma and south have a lot harder time with. Now, there'll be somebody locally who can grow it because they've got the perfect conditions. I'm just saying, D can't grow it. Oh, uh, well, so the black eye- <laughs> I have tried. The Black Eyed
1: Susan vine, we should mention, is not related to the Black Eyed Susan perennials at all. The reason it's called Black Eyed Susan vine is is because it has the dark center and then it comes in, usually it's orange or yellow. You can get it in orange or yellow. And it's, it's a nice, um, mixer. I don't think it becomes a huge vine all on its own. It's a mixer here.
0: Yeah, it does not, it is not very aggressive at all. So the next one is Mandavia. And I did not write down the Latin name for Mandavia, which is probably mandavia. Um, Mandavia, there's been a lot of breeding of Mandavia in the last few years. You will see it in Oklahoma at Home Depot um, a lot in spring. And if you do and you want it, just pluck that baby out of a pot and stick it in another pot with like a tripod or something. And it will grow a respectable amount. And you will have hummingbirds.
1: Very nice. And we should mention
0: it is a tropical vine, which is why
1: for most Mm -hmm. of us it's an annual. And Dee, I'm going to tell you that here in Indiana, I butcher that name, and I just call it (laughs) Mandevilla.
0: That's because you don't have a lot of Spanish speakers in your part of the world.
1: (laughs) Well, no. Um, In my part of the
0: world. (laughs) Anything with two L's that is Spanish is
1: a Y. Anyway, here... here, (laughs) I call it Mandevilla. And I was just saying Mandevilla so that maybe people would know. What is she talking people about? People from your
0: part of the world. Exactly. <laughs> okay. From my part of the world. Go on to the next vine. Which is very similar to Mandevilla. It's Bougainvillea Spectabilis. And if you live in California, especially in like San Francisco, for you, this is a perennial tropical vine and you guys have whole walls covered with it and it is quite the aggressive thing. In Oklahoma, it grows respectably, but not, no, it's just not that big a deal. And a lot of times we see it in hanging baskets and it trails down off of the hanging baskets. Here, if you live locally where I live, you can almost find, almost always find it in the spring at Davison's Greenhouse. Be sure to water that hanging basket with drip irrigation though or it won't make it. Ah, good point. What about point. you? We would have this it would be with
1: the the mandevillas. They would have these as well and so but I don't usually get the tropical vines there's too many other plants vying for my attention. On to the next
0: one, D. Oh, the next one is kind of a batty and it's also an Ipomia. Ipomea quamaclit which sounds weird um is cypress vine and cypress vine is kind of a little baddie it's a baddie why is it, it well uh, well why do you think yeah it self self-seal. sows with some real abandon <laughs> it's sad but twerky. and again
1: I, i'm just missing out on the whole vine thing i don't
0: grow cypress vine so I've grown it many, many times in my garden and um not I only planted it once, but sometimes it comes back here too. And then I put it with um I actually grew it up through a rose bush that was a really tough rose bush. We'll see how tough it is this year. Uh, and it did great and you know Cypress find did great too. And guess who likes it? Hummingbirds. There you go. A lot of these so, vines have a, th-
1: a flower with a throat that attracts uh-huh. hummingbirds, which is a wonderful thing. So you want to talk about the next one? So that would be the moonflower, Ipomea alba. It's a white flower called the moonflower
0: because it opens up at night, right? Right, it does. And, and it is white. So it's Ipomea alba. It's in that same... Group and it attracts moths, and I have not
1: grown moonflowers either. Might have made an attempt. You haven't? once, but I—I I don't know. I just haven't.
0: I've grown it a, quite a few times on lattice work um, and at the end of a path, and it's done really well here. It is. I have not found it to be as aggressive as um, morning glories, even though it's called night morning glory. It attracts lots and lots of moths, and I like moths. In fact, I take lots of pictures of them in the summer. So for me, it's a good flower. I might actually grow it this year. You do need to soak the seeds, exactly like you do with um, morning glory. So, Dee, um, but I was going to say, you just, did you just decide to buy more seeds? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I've bought so many. I'm looking at my giant stat. I think you just decided to buy some moonflower I- seeds. Maybe. I don't know. I really do like moonflowers. I do have a lot of things that attract moths, but maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Well, that's our list of annual and a few tropical
1: vines. Not exhaustive, but hopefully give people some ideas and think about, and we'll talk about this later, think about using the space growing up to plant some vines or hanging down from a basket. Either way. Either way.
0: Sometimes a vine is just what's needed. Exactly. How about that next quote, Dee? Okay. Alice, how long is forever? White rabbit. Sometimes just one second. Lewis Carroll. See our theme we've got going here. Exactly. We got us a theme
1: going. So for the vegetable garden, we thought today, we talk about crops that really take a long time to mature. And so we came up with a few, like watermelon takes forever.
0: Yes. Yes. And I can't grow it. Only because I can't grow it. It grows here. Um, Artichokes. You thought of that one. Yes. I have never grown artichokes, but a lot of people here do.
1: Yeah, and I think it's one of those things, if you decide to grow artichokes in my neck of the woods, you really need to seek out a variety that uh, is suited to a shorter growing season.
0: Yeah, and I think artichokes do better in Dallas-Fort Worth area, as do cardoons. They use a lot of cardoons and a lot of artichokes in some of their designs. I especially saw it at the Dallas Botanic Garden and also at Fort Worth's Botanic Garden, which is another botanic garden I love. Um, I was going to say, did we say mature beans yet? No, we did not. Okay, like when you're growing cranberry beans or pinto beans or anything that's a dried bean, those take a long time and you have to get all the way to the end. Oh, I thought of another one we didn't list yet.
1: Well, before we leave that, let's talk about dried beans
0: so yes
1: i i struggle to think why somebody would grow beans to dry you can just buy a bag at the store right and does it change Um, the taste are they better tasting if you grow them yourself
0: i'll be honest with you i i assume so but don't know because the only time i've grown them dried was pinto beans and right at the moment that they matured and i had them on a I had them on a trellis, and I did all this work, grooming ground. Guess what happened as soon as they matured? Uh, Somebody ate them? Yes, the raccoons.
1: I always think about my grandmother's diary. She talked about getting dried beans, and to her they were beans that just didn't get picked and got left over, and then saving those dried beans
0: because that
1: was food. You didn't want to waste food.
0: No, back then you didn't waste anything. Um, I don't care a thing about growing dried beans. I can buy them at the store or you can buy the really fancy kinds like Jacob's cattle, the cranberry beans. You can buy all those online now. In fact, there are whole stores devoted to these beans. And I'm really grateful that somebody goes out and, you know, grows these unusual varieties. But listeners, if you want to grow dried beans, grow them. Why not?
1: Yes, and so the last thing we listed was corn, which can take a lot of work, and it takes a while to get the ears of corn. And then, as you say, the the darned raccoons
0: will get to it right before you do. It's like they have little raccoon radar, and they know exactly when those are mature. And um, one of my dogs, back when I had Maddie before she passed, um, she actually caught one of those raccoons and killed it. That's one that was one tough dog because raccoons are tough. They so, are So, um, raccoons are not my favorite animal and whatever. I thought of another thing. Um, peppers, especially pe- bell peppers, and you want to get them to the mature state. And let's just talk about that for a second. So, green bell peppers are just immature peppers, and that is true of chilies and also bell peppers. They're all just green when they're not mature. And then as they mature, they become red or yellow or orange. Um, and that's true of chilies too. But the problem is if you're growing bell peppers, which are a slow, like chilies, it's not so hard because they make a lot of peppers. But once you let um, bell peppers mature to the red stage, orange stage, or yellow stage, they pretty much quit setting new fruit. So what I always did is I would collect them green most of the season. And then because I have a really long season, I would leave a few on the plant to mature. Now, I know your experience would be different because you live in a colder climate and a shorter season.
1: Right. And what I found with the peppers, if I don't pick them green and I do allow them to go to the color stage, they start to rot before they actually turn. Wow, that's interesting. Which brings up the... The problem with the long maturing plants in some gardens is if you're trying to trick the season and it starts to get cool, you know, they'll stop maturing. But you have this plant out there and you can think about the insects and the disease and the raccoons. And I'm not saying, it just gets a little more challenging the longer you have to wait for harvest because there are so many things that can happen that are bad.
0: Yeah, that's true. Especially, and I wonder if they rot for you guys too, because um, you have more humidity in summer than we do. That could be. We don't have much trouble with rotting. We we they always start to rot on me.
1: Here's the other thing. I read this book years ago about these guys that grow the gigantic pumpkins. Yeah, and it takes a long time to grow a pumpkin that weighs oh. almost two thousand pounds. No, but kidding. they got to check those things like almost hourly because in just a snap a fungus can attack and then they've lost the pumpkin
0: because and that's depressing cuz they only grow one pumpkin per vine right and maybe and they usually have 3 that they're watching it's like crazy town i couldn't do that so anyway some
1: long maturing vegetables are worth it i think corn is worth it I think if you can grow a decent watermelon, you'll find a sweeter fruit than you would ever buy at the store. And so I would say give it a shot. You've only it's just a season, it's just one crop. Give it a shot. Don't don't let us
0: talk you out of anything. No, we aren't (laughs) trying to talk anybody out of anything. I will say this: if you're a new gardener, try cantaloupes before watermelons. Cantaloupes are delicious. And very, very sweet, especially ambrosia, which is actually a burpee selection, if I remember right. They're delicious, and they don't take as long, and you get more than you do with a watermelon. If you're going to grow watermelon and you're new, the small icebox watermelons, I think, are easier to grow than the great big ones. But that's just my opinion.
1: Yes, and the thing we'd say is, um, if you're north, north like me, or even further north, look at the days to maturity and get the fastest maturing varieties of these long-growing vegetables. True. Um, think about starting them inside, even watermelon, starting it inside to give it a little chance before you put it out in the garden. And then, um, you, if you're really intent and you get an early frost, you you may have to protect the plant. May. Yeah. You might. Which we're lazy and we don't do.
0: <laughs> no, I don't, I don't protect plants. I saw a lot of people protecting their plants for this deal. And I was like, you know what? If they die, they die. It's been a crazy year in my garden anyway. I lost a bunch of my Japanese maples under my trees. So that's a topic for another time. In fact, maybe next week, um, about what I'm going to replace them with. So you want to do the next quarter? Is it my turn? No, it's your turn. What is the use of a book, thought Alice, without pictures or
1: conversations? Another Lewis Carroll quote. And so we put that quote in here merely because this is time for On the Bookshelf. And today's book is Garden Up, Smart Vertical Gardening for Small and Large Spaces by Rebecca Sweet and Susan Morrison. And this one was published in 2011, but we think it is really good for how you can use that vertical space which kind of ties into our vine theme.
0: Yes, and Rebecca Sweet and Susan Morrison are friends of ours, and they are both garden designers. And I actually have visited Rebecca's, not her new garden, but her old garden. And she did a lot of the photography, as did Susan. They did them in their own gardens, and I thought that made it really cool. It actually was an extremely forward-thinking book, um, dare I say a progressive <laughs> gardening book in terms of it was it thought about things that were just barely getting started like living walls was one of the things that I remember Um, using arbors and trellises better you know on my arbors and trellises which I have several I grow a lot of perennial vines um, and a lot of native vines now I used to grow climbing roses on them but after rose rosette I put in native vines um, that has been a really good solution for my garden and they discussed all kinds of things like how shade would affect your garden um, creating spaces to sit in that you could enjoy it's just a really good book and you can even get it I'm looking actually at Amazon because that's what our affiliate links are there's only one left in stock so this book still sells
1: yeah, it still sells and that one left in stock, don't don't
0: buy that for a minute, D. There's more in stock. There probably are. <laughs> Mine's usually got 5 or 6 in stock according to the deal. The other thing is is it's on Kindle. So, if you have a laptop or something, you can read it and it's only, it's not very expensive. It's a little more expensive in, you know, paper just because it has, you know, it's a hardback. So that makes it a little more expensive. It's a good book and that's why we since we talked about Vines 2 weeks in a row, we thought we would talk about it. That's right. Garden Up,
1: Smart Vertical Gardening for Small and Large Spaces by Rebecca Sweet and Susan Morrison. And now we're ready for dirt. Real quick, Deke. We're running long. We're chatty Cathy's today.
0: I don't think we're actually running long because we also recorded our other stuff too. So maybe, oh, maybe that's why it seems long. Okay, yeah. so um, we have another quote for it. If you limit your actions in life to things that nobody can possibly find fault with, you will not do much. Oh, I think that was actually before our Gardening Commission. It's also by Lewis Carroll, but it doesn't matter. I said it here. Because it also applies to Cherokee Nation seeds. Here's the story, and we will link to it. This was in the Cherokee Phoenix, and it was about how the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma distributes packets of seeds to members of their tribe. You do have to be a member of the tribe and if you can prove that um, and you guys can go to the link they will send you I think it's two packets and they are all plants that the Cherokee people have grown for generations and generations and the reason that they are distributing it to their people is to keep heirloom seed strains going and so that's just a great idea and if you want to do that and you're not part of a tribe there are other ways to do it too like the Seed Savers. The Seed Savers Exchange does it. So does Southern Exposure Seed ex- Seed Exchange. I think I said that right. They do it, although they're mostly sold out of everything. There, there's also one that is in Arizona that does it, Native Seeds. So there's a bunch of different places that if you want to grow heirlooms and keep certain strains alive, you can sure do it.
1: Yes, and we'll provide some links to that. Uh, seed savers exchange to the article and do you know a lot of people the whole point of they want to guard is they want the heirloom varieties and heirloom varieties are almost 100 percent open pollinated and saved and so you can go to these sites and they'll also teach you how to save seeds if you want to save seeds for yourself or the next generation
0: right and actually seed Right. Seed Savers Exchange started out as a group of people that saved seeds, and it's gotten really big, as some of these others. I will say, if you want to buy from some places, they require you to be a member. And after we went to Tucson, did you go to Tucson too? For, I did go to Tucson. That was back in 2012? I think so. Maybe? That was for Garden Com. We went to Tucson, and I actually joined the Native Seed I can't remember the full name of it, but we'll link to it. I joined that group, and so I get their catalog, and they have some fabulous corn in there. Lots of popping corn, lots of native corns, because people save corn, and that is a great crop to keep on moving on. That is good. So garden commission, what's yours? My garden commission is to nurture my
1: microgreens. Um, I'm going to replant the one terrarium planter I have. I think I want to get my hands dirty in some dirt. And then D, I forgot to mention earlier that I have created a spreadsheet of all my seeds. And it has all my new seeds. Now I need to go through mold seeds, figure out which ones I'm going to keep using, um, add those, and then fine-tune it. Now, the good thing is I've figured out there's like four packets of seeds that I think just got thrown in with one of my orders from botanical interest that I'm not going to use. So I need to rehome those seeds somewhere.
0: So that's my that's garden nice. commission. What is yours? You're going to laugh. Since it's negative 5, no, we're down to negative 2 now. We're up to negative 2. Um, I'm going to put on my boots and my waterproof boots and go out to the greenhouse and check everything and water it. And we need to talk a little bit about how I do things in the winter in my greenhouse next week. So that can be my garden update, talking about the greenhouse and how I heat it. Because a lot of people ask me questions this week, and a lot of people's greenhouses – um went down for the count in this weather mine's mine's at 67 degrees i'm lucky that's going to be really nice out there Dee. when you
1: get out there you'll be able to take off your coat and your hat and your boots and not your boots maybe but take off your coat and your hat and your mittens and just get your hands dirty in the soil that'll be really nice
0: it would be fun to plant something maybe i will Although it's still too early for a lot of things. It is early.
1: Although it's probably later than you think because it just seems early because it's so cold out there. Welcome to my world. Yeah, I bet. Okay, so thank you for listening to The Garden Angelist. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us. Also, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything.
0: And if you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review. Um, that helps us get noticed by others, but also we would love it if you would share with your friends our podcast. Honestly, that's the best way to get us out there. Yes,
1: yeah, so and be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And if you want to help support us, use the affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we earn a small commission and it costs you nothing. It was lovely to chat with all of you
0: over the Garden Gate today. Bye until next week. Bye, everybody.